Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. This is edition number 148 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we will complete chapter 26 of the Communion of Saints by looking at paragraph number 3. Let's pray together first. Our Father in heaven, as we again uh, humble ourselves and uh, bow before your majesty and before your word, we pray that your word would teach us and guide us and instruct us. Uh, We confess to you that we often fall short of all that you tell us in your word. We are prone to wander. We know it to be true. And so we ask that your word might hem us in and guide us and keep us on that narrow path that leads to everlasting life. We pray, Father, that your spirit would teach us, that you'd cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and you would guide us into all truth. Even as you promised to do, you've promised to give your, uh, your spirit uh, when your children ask for him. And so we pray that you would grant him to us now and that we would hear you as your word is read. And especially as it is explained, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, paragraph number three reads, This communion which the saints have with Christ doth not make them in any wise partakers of the substance of his Godhead, or to be equal with Christ in any respect, either of which to affirm is impious and blasphemous. Nor doth their communion one with another as saints take away or infringe the title or property, propriety which each man hath in his goods and possessions. Now let me just recap something, uh, a few items that we have already discussed from the first two paragraphs uh, as given in the Confession of Faith, chapter 26. We note that our, that our fellowship with one another is due to the union we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That union is rooted in his, in his work, his graces, sufferings, death, resurrection, and glory. And thus we are united to one another in love. And as such, we have a relationship, a union that is stronger than our blood relations that we have on this earth. Thus, it ob- obliges us, it obligates us to performance of duties to one another, public and private, Uh, to the mutual good, both inward and outward. Now, paragraph two goes on to explain more fully uh, some of the benefits or things that fall out of this union that we have with Christ in that we uh, are to uh, engage in spiritual service uh, towards our brothers and sisters, and we discussed some of what that looks like in yesterday's edition, as well as relieving the burden uh, of outward things insofar as we are able by God's own appointment and providence to any of our brothers or sisters that may have need. Paragraph 3 sets forth what our union with Christ does not give us or oblige us toward. Now, there's a big difference, isn't there? Uh, the second paragraph tells us what our duties and obligations and the things that fall out from our union with Christ give to us, the benefits. And now in paragraph 3, we have, uh, we have a certain uh, qualification as to what this union with Christ uh, indeed looks like. I'm going to be 
borrowing uh, heavily from Dr. Van Dixhorn's commentary on the Confessing, uh, entitled Confessing the Faith. I've referenced this book many times throughout this season as we've looked at the Westminster Confession of Faith. But, um, but first, what we note um, is that this communion which the saints have with Christ does not make them in any wise partakers of the substance of his Godhead or to be equal with Christ in any respect. Okay, so this is simply to say that we are not members of the Godhead just because we are united to Christ in a mystical way due to his graces and sufferings, death, burial, resurrection, and glory. Uh, we are united to one another, and we are united uh, to him, but we are not him, and we are not joined to the essence of the Godhead in any way, shape, or form. So Dr. Van Dixhorn, commenting on this first qualifier in paragraph 3, he says, in the first place, the communion that we have with Christ is with Christ as our mediator, not with Christ in his being, in his substance as a member of the Trinity. Paul explains something like this to the Colossians. Christ is the head of the body. He is the firstborn of all who are raised from the dead. We have much in common with the one with whom we have union, but he remains the head. He is the firstborn. He is in everything preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Colossians 1.19 In the early church at the Reformation and today, there are those who devalue Jesus or overvalue the rest of us. This is a great mistake. He goes on, There is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are, are all things and through whom we exist. 1 Corinthians 8.6 He is the one whom the scriptures call the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. There is much that we gain and become in union with Jesus Christ, but the Bible ascribes to him and not to us honor and eternal dominion. God speaks in his word about the thrones of the saints, our participation in the great judgment, the righteousness of which we partake, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, quoting from Psalm 45 verse 7. The same simply cannot be said of us. Surely we do not share in his divine qualities. Indeed, we are not equal with Christ in any respect. We are clothed in his wisdom, his holiness, his righteousness, because we are united to him. But we are never as holy, as wise, as righteous as he is in himself. Truly, it is not too much to say that any other teaching is both impious and blasphemous. However unintentional such an error in thinking might be. Certainly God spoke advisedly to the prophet Isaiah when he declared, My glory I give to no other. Needless to say, this is a demanding subject to understand in any depth. Nonetheless, careful limits must be placed in our understanding of the contours and extent of our union with Christ. Now much of this you may not truly grasp entirely. It's enough to understand that our union with Christ grants us tremendous benefits. We are, as Dr. Van Dixhorn mentioned, we are clothed in his righteousness. And so as God the Father sees us, he sees us as holy as we'll ever be. 
uh, we are clothed in his wisdom, his righteousness, his holiness as being united to him. However, we are not him and we are not partakers of the Godhead in any respect. And so Christ is our elder brother. He is the alone king and head of the church. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we must keep that tension right where it belongs that we do not fall into some blasphemous error. Now, there's a second qualifier in paragraph number three, and that's a qualifier about communion. And as Dr. Van Dixhorn points out, it's no requirement for communism or communalism, as he puts it here. So he says in his commentary, page 355, in the second place, we must also understand the parameters of our communing with one another. Okay, so the first qualifier is about our communion and union with Christ. Now, what does this qualifier um, have to do with our communion with one another? The scriptures both exhibit and require saints sharing with those who are in need. But beyond doubt, this does not mean that communion requires communalism. Generosity is not the same as collectivism. After all, as the scriptural references offered by the assembly point out, what sense would there be in commanding God's people not to steal, a command repeated in the New Testament, if they are required to give up their property and share everything they own? Remember, the issue falling out from our union with Christ and thus our communion with one another is that we share with those in need in the body of Christ insofar as we're able by God's providence. But by no means should we steal from our family to serve other people. That is to say, we don't not pay our rent that is owed somebody else by vow and commitment that we might help a homeless person or somebody in the church and give away our rent to do that. If you do that, you better have means to pay the rent because it's not going to be an excuse by which you don't pay the rent. I guarantee your landlord isn't going to smile too happily upon that. He's going to want his money. And you placed your family in danger by doing that. At the same, in the same sense, the person in the church cannot obligate you or demand from you or hold it over your head because you won't give him your rent money to help him with his financial situation. Going on, Dr. Van Dixorn says, It may be implicit in Paul's command in Ephesians 4.28 that Christians own the things they share. In the passage, we are called to work hard so that we may have something to share with anyone in need. There can, however, be no question about the point made in Acts 5.4. The apostle Peter's question to Ananias about his property contains its own answer. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Even in what proved to be a radical period of intense property sharing, neither the church nor its leaders nor individual Christians had the right to take away, trespass on, or infringe the title or right which people have to their own goods and possessions. Nonetheless, in respecting these limits to communion, let us remember that if we are united to, if we are united to Christ, then we are raised with Christ and must set our hearts on things above where Christ is, and not on this world and the things around us through which we journey only for a time. And so, yes, by all means, be generous with your brothers and sisters. By all means, if you are able to meet the need of your brothers and sisters, then by all means, you need to do that. But again, we must recognize that the calling upon Christians is to work hard with their hands to earn their daily bread as God gives appointment to that and that we don't place an undue burden 
on our brothers and sisters um, as a result of our union with one another. And again, you must, be, you must exercise a certain degree of prudence and wisdom when it comes to who you help in the church. Frankly, there are people in the church that are just lazy. that They won't work, they don't work, and there are always people that they seem to have needs, financial needs or otherwise. Well, the deacons of the church should sit down with them and have a frank conversation uh, about their, uh, their habits of life. Uh, but again, uh, we, can't, we can't demand that a person uh, infringe their own property, and we can't infringe on their own property based on the fact of our union with Christ. Our gifts to one another should be given out of a heart full of love for them, um, in a way that is uh, useful and helpful, and it may not look like a check. It may look like something very different. But either way, we must remember these qualifications that come out of our union with Christ. We are not members of the Godhead. <clears throat> we have no place in that. In, in that, uh, that is not given to us. Christ is the King ahead of the church. He is the alone um, righteous Lord. At the same time, because I'm united to you as a brother and sister in Christ, you cannot infringe on my rights to own property, and nor should I ever, ever place my own family in jeopardy in my need, in my desire to help a brother and sister. So we need to be wise about these matters and think through them very carefully. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so, until the... Uh, Friday edition, when we uh, now turn the page, as it were, and we begin looking at chapter 27 of the sacraments, uh, may the Lord help you today to walk according to his will. God bless.